You are Locked On Indians, your daily Cleveland Indians podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone, and welcome to your Friday edition of Locked On Indians. I am your host, Jeff Ellis of 24-7 Sports. Over on 24-7, I have updated the mock draft that is ever updating as teams get eliminated. Uh, if you looked at it early, or I did have the Cardinals in there, eventually I removed that pick just to kind of keep with a the theme. I hadn't originally planned to roll things out over this slow plan as I am now, but I, it's been really successful, so I'm going to continue to go with it. This is supposed to be the mailbag edition of the show, and I do have quite a few questions. One of the questions is going to lead to the majority of the talk, um, because it really sent me down a rabbit hole. Uh, I, I have a few that uh, we'll just start off with right away through the Twitter side of things. Uh, international Social Housing at J Critz, J-C-R-I-T-E-S-2. He asked, uh, he doesn't think that it makes sense to extend Clavager. He will be 31 at the end of arbitration and has a violent delivery. Yes to be Bernota Clevenger. So basically, what is my thought on that? Well, let's start talking about Shane Bieber. Shane Bieber, the Indians have five more years of control of. He can't even become arbitration eligible until uh, after the, for two more seasons. Uh, he was a fourth round pick, which means he got a decent amount of money, but not a ton. But at the same time, he moved very quickly through the minors. So he got to the majors quickly and started making, you know, 560000 this year. That's about what he made last year as well. Um, and it is probably more than he signed for, in all honesty. Now those aren't huge numbers for baseball, but they're huge numbers for uh, a 24-year-old kid. So the Indians would have him through his age 29 season, if I did the math right. So they would essentially get him through prime. But absolutely, he's the first guy the Indians should talk to this offseason about extending. Um, Having the five years of control yet, the fact that he has never had a big payday, the fact that he's three years away from arbitration... Uh, he's the guy who is most likely to sign a contract. You might be able to get him through his age 32, age 33 year. Um, he's the guy you talk to. He's the one who is farthest from free agency, farthest from arbitration, and has never really gotten paid. He's the type of guy that uh, you kind of approach and see what he's willing to, if he's willing to consider it. As for Clevenger, I'm not so worried about his delivery, but there's a noticeable difference with when it comes to trying to give Clevenger an extension. Um, he is arbitration eligible this year so he is going to get a nice bump this year Uh, it is interesting because I think Clevenger is the better pitcher of the two because of his injuries Clevenger has never been an all-star and Bieber has which is one of those things that could actually if both of them were arbitration eligible this year and they're not I think Bieber would get the higher amount just because it's those silly little things like that that bump up the arbitration uh, estimates but I mean Clevenger is fantastic I would I would try. I would absolutely try to extend him. Um, every single year, he seems to get better and better. His walk rate has dropped every year. He is de- uh, he's been in the majors. His home run rate has gone down every year. And outside of 2017, where it went up, really went up, and then went down last year, and really went up this year, his strikeout rate's gone up every year. Uh, his hit rate. Again, outside 2017, has gotten better every year. He's just, he's getting better and better. And yes, he is, uh, let's see, he is age 28. He'll be 29 in December. So 
Um, you know, it took him a little longer to get to the majors. He was never really a top prospect most places. I mean, after he had that breakout year in Akron and I put him like fourth, I mean, most places still had him back of the top 10 that year. Um, because they were afraid of his control issues and he kind of came out of nowhere. Um, so he, he never quite had the, uh, like he was never a top 100 prospect. I mean, outside of, I'm sure Bauer was because he was a high pick, but you look at the, when I think Carrasco was, because Carrasco had a long, interesting trip there. But, you know, Kluber was not, Bieber was not. It's interesting how many of these guys were not top 100 guys at any point in their time in the minors. But with Clevenger, again, he's going to start making big money this year. He's going to get a nice bump. Uh, the Indians have him for 2020, 2021, and 2022. So that's three more years. He turns 29 this year, skiing him age through age 29, 30, and 31. There is a case to be made that for a guy who has had some uh, injury issues, has only, when you look, you know, the first year he was up only part of the year, but then after that, 120 innings, 200 innings, 120, you know, 126 this year. That other time was 121. So there, there is a case to just kind of ride and die with Clevenger. And if he continues to pitch well, he could be a prime trade asset, um, depending on especially where... Okay, there's no beating around the bush. Next year is kind of the Indians' last all-in year. Very likely, as we've talked about, the trade Lindor after the 2020 season. Um, I think they will still try and compete in uh, 2021. But if the wheels start to fall off that year, um, Clevenger could easily be the next guy who is seeing what they can get in terms of value just because multiple years of pitching control is about the most valuable asset a team can trade. I. It's always funny how many people put together trades for Clevenger from other teams, other uh, fan bases. I don't see uh, a trade happening this year, that's for sure. Um you know, just some fun facts with him. It's like similar pitchers through age 28, you Darvish, Tim Belcher, Tom Sturdivant, Hideo Nomo. Uh, go down to six, Alex Cobb. It's not, you know, in his most similar pitchers and score, Louis uh, Servino, Blake Snell, Mickey Hughes, Mark Pryor, Jim Harden. I, the, those, there's a lot of really good guys on that list. So, yeah, I mean... I would float an offer to Clevenger. Let's put it that way. I don't think he's very likely to accept it. Because when you're a guy who's not going to hit free agency until you're 30, and that's really, uh, as a pitcher, it's going to be his one chance to really cash in, and you're in arbitration now, um, I don't see I don't see him accepting a contract. You're so close to free It's the same argument you made with Lindor. The Lindor is much younger. But with Clevenger, when you're not going to hit that free agency until your early 30s, you don't want to push that off. He, he might get one free agent contract. So if you're him, you want to get to that as quickly as possible. So And again, he was not a high pick. He was never been a big money guy. Stuff like that does make a player either more, you know, both more and less likely to sign, depending on their situation. So yes, looking at this, Bieber should be priority one. You at least open the door to Clevenger, but accept he's probably not going to re-sign with the Indians. I also got an email from Mike Bobel, who is the mad thinker who I talked about before on the podcast. Let me get uh, mthinker88 on Twitter. He sent me a few questions. So I'm going to start with the easiest one, which is he, he was kind of debating with me um, the 40-man. And 
What would be a bigger surprise to get taken off the 40-man this year, Bobby Bradley or Sam Henkes? And, you know, he lays it out really well, and I kind of agree with him about my take on Henkes. I still think he is the, you know, and he had a good point that at the time he was kind of put on there to a degree as the first left-handed starter in the Indians minors. And since then, you know, they traded for Logan Allen, Adam Scott's moved up. Uh, they traded for Scott Moss as well. There's a lot more lefties, but I don't think it changes the fact that he is a huge left-hander with some really fantastic stuff. I mean, he was—he didn't just get added because he was the only interesting lefty in the upper minors. He got added because he was a top-10 prospect, and left-handed pitching is always hard to come by. So from my perspective, the, the issue with Bobby Bradley is it's just a very thin margin. He, because of position, because he does one thing really, he has one plus skill and everything else is below average. It's not average. If he was average across the board with plus power, he'd be a starter. The other scores are 40s. He's at 40 across the board with 55-60 power, playing a position with zero flexibility. He has this razor-thin margin, and sometimes a player like that breaks out for a year. Look at you know Jesus Aguilar, and then look at Milwaukee giving him away. Um, they did not get a ton for him. They were very willing to move on from him. There's a lot of guys, uh, look at Logan Morrison, who finally broke out for a year and has never reproduced it. We see that profile have a big year. So, I mean, yes, the Indians could regret Bobby Bradley, but I don't think he's going to be a guy who puts together multiple seasons. I think he's kind of in that other class. And a first baseman versus a big lefty, I'm much more surprised if they let the big lefty go than the first baseman. The postseason is brought to you by Vivid Seats, and they've been one of our great sponsors. They took the idea of buying your tickets and added a fun new wrinkle with a loyalty rewards program. The more you buy, the higher you get to go, the better the deals you'll get. And if you're going to buy a ticket to anything now, you want to be using Vivid Seats because we have this promo code for you. So you're going to go download the app, Vivid Seats, and use the promo code POSTSEASON. That shows them that the MLB side of things on Locked On sent you there. You're going to buy your tickets anyways. This code will save you up to 100 bucks. So you might as well go use Vivid Seats, save yourself some money, and start building up those reward points. Because once you start building up those reward points, you're going to want to keep going back to Vivid Seats. So remember, download the app, use the promo code postseason, do it for yourself, save yourself a few bucks. Our other sponsor is one of our oldest and dearest, that is BlueChew.com, the little blue pill, which has all the active ingredients as the big names, but since it's chewable, allows you to do what you want to do quicker. There have been all these scandals this year about uh, uh, the use of uh, helping pills uh, for major league players when from gas stations and such. Don't do that. That led to suspensions. Instead, go over to Blue Chew. Use the promo code MLB. Again, it shows them that uh, you're listening to our great MLB podcast network. And they're going to send you a free sample. They're, they believe so much in their product, they're giving it away for free. You have to pay the five bucks for shipping, small cost to pay to see what all the hype's about. See why they believe in a product so much that they're willing to give it away for free, knowing you'll come back for more. That is bluechew.com, using that promo code MLB. Try it out. See what all the hype's about. See why this is a product that they believe so much that they think the first time you try it, you're going to keep going back and using it again and again. And the other question I got from the Mad Thinker was, uh, I mentioned that the Reds were behind times in pitching development. What organizations seem to be a step behind in developing pitching? Which ones are behind in developing hitters? 
The Tigers seem to be a little defined, defined behind in developing hitters at this point. When you look at some of their top prospects, guys like Derek Hill, it hasn't really worked out for. Um, they haven't had anyone really surprise. A lot of guys who are coming up and being, you know, Christian Stewart is who we thought he was. They're not, and with their top pitching prospects, it almost at points to me feels like it's more, those guys are too good to fail than any, where are the Tigers' breakout prospects? They've had a lot of high picks, but where are their breakout prospects? Um, you know, why is someone like Adam Wolf, someone we're already forgetting about when he was a really good pitcher at Louisville with a track record as a starter and a reliever? Um... That's kind of why, like, the, the Pirates, I didn't, or the Pirates, the Tigers, I think, are one of those teams that I don't think they develop pitching or hitting particularly well, and I think that's kind of part of where they are. We talked about with the Indians, it's like, you look at the team, three-fifths of their rotation were not top prospects. You look at their offensively, Jose Ramirez was one of those guys who, I mean, I discounted, but even the people who were high on him never expected anywhere near what he's become. Uh... Even a, a guy they traded for, like Fran Mel Reyes, he was never a top prospect for the Padres, but eventually he turned into something. Where are those guys on the Tigers? You know, Spencer Turnbull, someone might say, Turnbull, I believe, was a second-round pick. He was a relatively high pick for them. Um, Matt Boyd was a, uh, a big piece in that David Price deal. He was probably the second biggest piece at the time behind Daniel Norris, a really interesting statistical performer who... Like, for a few years, a lot of us really... I remember talking with uh, uh, Grimmy, who used to write for IBI, uh, and we were both just at points talking about he's when that trade happened. It's like, oh, it's a lefty who misses a lot of bats. But again, it's not something that Tigers developed. Where, where are their developed guys? Where are those guys who are not... Where are those day two, day three guys on that roster? And they just don't have them right now, and it's kind of one of those things... Um, I mean, does Boston do a poor job developing, or do they just uh, not have anything left? Uh, you know, it's kind of a point of debate you could have. I think the Cubs' development has left uh, some things to be desired. Um, yeah, Nico Horner, Horner moved quickly through the system, but when they had Brendan Little and uh, uh, Alex Lang, neither of those guys are really great prospects. They've They've gone off the board with some of their picks at points, and they don't really have much to show for it. That's that's a relatively weak minors, and yes, they traded away a lot of pieces, including Gleyber Torres, but uh, they also just aren't. It to me, development isn't about you know the first round or the second round, or it's not the million dollar signing bonus. It's the other guys, and these are teams where they're not really their other guy. They're they're not made. They don't have a lot of other guys. They don't have a lot of guys who they were able to single handedly develop and turn into useful players. Um, you know, you look at what the Padres have done. That's what they have done. You know, they've had success with the Reyes. You go through the Joey Lucchese was never really given the credit he deserved. Um, even their pen, what they put together. There are teams doing it well, and then there are teams who aren't. And you can almost look at the the top prospect li- lists and just see uh, you know see who's up there and see who should be up there or who should be higher and they're not and that, that kind of can give that to you and the last question uh, I really want to give a shout out to Dan Dan I'm terrible pronunciation so I'm going to apologize right now Dan Brzezinski uh, at Dan underscore B-R-Z-E Z-I-N-S-K-I. 
Now he gave me a question that I loved, and then it led me down a massive wormhole. So I'm not gonna get. <laughs> Excuse me. I'm not gonna get through all of this today because I really dove into this question, and I have a lot of information and not a lot of time left in the show. So I might actually, Dan, use your question and come back to it on Monday. We're gonna split this into a few parts because I, I went a little crazy, and it's a simple question, but one that uh, made me, you know, really sink my teeth in, which is. He wrote, what are your favorite buy-low candidates the Indians might pursue this offseason? And I was like, oh, I like these. I always like to find the buy-low. Now, who doesn't count as a buy-low? Who are the big names this offseason? Should we go through the list real quickly? Garrett Cole, Anthony Rendon, Steven Strasburg. I think those are like the top three. Then you have Madison Bumgardner. I'm not as high on Chapman as other people. I think there's some concerns there. MLB has him fifth. I'm just going through their list. J.D. Martinez, not quite what he was a few years ago, but it's it's still up there. Huge in Ryu. Um, you know, you, you look at his end of the year, it really kind of started to slip. We'll see Josh Donaldson, really good performer. Uh, Zach Wheeler, that his FIP is going to be the decider, and Marcelo Zuna. I'm surprised how low they are on Yasmini Grandal. Like, he handles the pitching staff while he hit so well for the... Like, to me... I would put him in that second tier. That's just where I'd put him. There, and you're not going. He's age 31, and you're not going to lose a draft pick because he signed a qualifying offer last year, took the one-year contract. Um, Jake Odorizzi, who's you know he's not quite 30 yet. DD uh, Gregarious. It's just hard because if you are the Yankees, do you keep him? You know he had a bit of a down year. But, I mean, he's established himself. Like, he, I think he is a buy low to the right team. I think he can still play short. He can still hit for power. Um, the Yankees kind of, you know, between their DJ Matthew, Gladbert Torres, maybe they don't need him as much. you got Urshila. You've got Anjuar. Um, if you're a team that's got money, he might be the buy low candidate in this one. Cole Hamels, I don't, I don't agree with him making a top 20 because, I mean, he looked done at the end and he was a guy who has looked done a few times he had a solid year up and down but not that great Dallas Keuchel again he was not super impressive this year he's a more of a back-end starter is what he looked like uh Nick Castellanos was the opposite I mean he really broke out um but it's probably was just a hot street at the right time Wade Miley um the ERA plus makes me a lot more intrigued in him uh yeah he didn't pitch as well in the second half but Edwin Encarnacion came back and hit for a bunch of power. Moustakis, I've talked about how I'm big on him. They have Puig here, which, again, you know, why don't I agree with this list? Give me a Tanner Rourke, who's been, like, one of the most consistent back-end starters in baseball. Uh, Will Smith and Will Harris, the two relievers, like, I think I would rather sign either of them than Chapman. And that's not just because of Chapman's off-the-field stuff. It's just consistency. Um, Those guys have been so good. So, in terms of the Indians, you know, no one on this list is, is someone who, who fits for the Indians. So, who are the guys that I'm like, huh, I wonder, um, could this guy be someone that makes sense? And we'll get to that on Monday. Um, as always, when I say I'm going to deep dive, I deep dove, and I dove a little too deep, and I went on for over 12 minutes on the bats. So, uh, we're going to cut that and save all of the targets under the radar targets and just make that an entire episode unto itself um i also got another question 
afterwards. I'll use that for next week's mailbag, but I apologize. Um, I apologize for that, and I apologize for the general sound quality, but I think if you've been listening to this podcast, sound quality is probably our biggest issue to begin with. Um, But I want to thank you for listening, rating, and reviewing. Remember, tell a friend. Get someone on board. Let's, uh, let's, let's try to get a few more listeners. The offseason has not been kind to the podcast. Thank you, though, for listening. As always, go Tribe.